Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to mitigate crises and help teams get back on track. This podcast is about helping the C-suite leader to navigate challenges with confidence. For today's leader, I'm here to help you get back on track. Tomorrow's leader, let me partner with you to learn the secrets of the C-suite. Wherever you're at in your career, this is the podcast for you. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of The Drop-In CEO, and I want to thank you for joining us on another episode where week after week I speak to great leaders who share their insights with you and hopefully inspire you. And I know you'll love this episode. Please subscribe, rate, review, tell others, tell others that can use this valuable resource so we can elevate everybody. And also know I am here, I am sincerely here to provide resources to help the C-suite leader of today and tomorrow navigate challenges with confidence. And so this week, I am so excited. We are going to have fun. I have two guests on today. We have Nermeen Zachary and Sharif Saman. Nermeen, I am so grateful to know her. She is a certified people acuity coach and positive intelligence coach, and she specializes in helping others strategically apply their strengths to accelerate their performance, their energy, their relationships, and their results. And as a PQ coach, she adds the important layer of helping clients clients grow their mental fitness and ensure that they can achieve the things that they're trying to achieve. And also Sharif, again, an amazing leader, has had many executive roles in all facets of IT, starting as a mainframe programmer and later moving up in higher levels to associate vice president and deputy CTO in large enterprises. And he is also an ICF certified independent executive coach and many, many other positions, but really his heart is where he wants to help build the leaders of tomorrow. Welcome both Nermeen Sharif to the show. Thank you so much, Doug. Thank you, Doug. So I am excited about this. This is the beauty of the network. There is a person in our network, I believe Kevin, who introduced me to Nermeen, and then we started having a conversation. I love, love, love the area of strength finders, finding your strength to truly elevate your impact. And then after we got to know each other, she says, I want to introduce you to this person, Sharif. We do a lot of collaboration together. Love, love the energy they bring and the passion they bring to elevating leaders and organizations. And then I had the good fortune of also having them on a panel discussion for one of my organizations. Truly a great team of thought leaders. And I want to give them a little bit of the stage and have them tell them a little bit about themselves personally and their career path. So Nermeen, you have the floor. Oh, thank you, Deb. I'm so grateful to be here. Oh, let's see. Where do I start? I had always been fascinated with the amazing things other people can do, just simply enamored. But if you asked me what my strengths were, what I brought, I would never be able really to articulate that. I was fortunate to have been exposed to the Clifton Strengths Assessment 10 years ago now. I was invited to attend a workshop. For the workshop, we had to complete the assessments. And I didn't like my results. <laughs> I saw my, I saw the fluffy, I called what I called fluffy relationship words has nothing to do with anything that I'd achieved over the course of my career. Actually, I saw them as my weaknesses. I walked into that workshop with a little bit of an attitude, thinking this, this was just another silly personality test. 
And I walked out saying, everybody needs to know their strengths. Everybody needs to know their strengths. I experienced a literal paradigm shift during the course of that 90 minutes. As I began to uncover these talent themes, these strengths, I am happy. When I use them, I'm making some kind of an impact. It dawned on me. It hit me like a ton of bricks. You know, I'd spent the bulk of my adult life really trying to live up to other people's expectations, never meeting them, or comparing myself to others and never feeling good enough. And for the first time, it was okay to just be me. It was a really, really big deal. That's where I fell in love with this this whole concept of focusing on strengths instead of our weaknesses. So... I really appreciate that. And the type of work that you do, which sets the stage for this whole conversation we're going to have with both of you is, is starting with yourself first, starting with some of that inner work, because we sometimes move through our careers very quickly doing what we think we should be doing rather than pausing and reflecting, who am I? What are my strengths? Yeah, I got a few weaknesses, but where do I want to spend my time to do the best work? So, so appreciate your thoughts and your work. And we're going to dig deeper into strengths, strengths finders, and continue the work that we need to do. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, thank you. And Sharif, I would love for you to share a bit about yourself as well. Sure. Thank you again, Deb, for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. So, you know, growing up, I remember playing in the playground and people would always say, Sharif, we want you to pick the team for kickball. It was always weird to me that why are people asking me to put the teams together? I wanted to play, not build a team. Or so I thought. Once I, you know, went to school, I went to, I remember in high school in my senior year, one of my teachers that I still remember, she was my English teacher, came to me and said, Sharif, I'd like you, mind you, I wasn't born in the States. I came as seven years old. So I've never considered English as my first language. And she asked me to gather about eight other students to help tutor them and help them to build their English and communication skills. That blew my mind. This was senior year in high school. Never thought of it, moved on. And as I went to college, I focused on information technology, graduated, and started a career as an information technology professional. And technology was very interesting throughout my career. As you mentioned earlier, you know, I went up the ranks and I realized that the pleasure I had. What I looked forward to in my work every day was building teams. It wasn't really so much the technology stuff, although I I was capable, but it was about building the teams and watching them succeed. I actually enjoyed watching teams that were, for example, people would tell me, oh, this team is just not functional. And I would tell them, I'll take that challenge. And I would build the team from scratch. I would develop them, sit with them. All this time, I was a technology manager. (laughs) And 
I had such great joy doing that, that about four years ago, when I decided, you know what, I've had enough of working for, I was working for a quite large university. I said, you know what, I'm going to start my own coaching career. It was a struggle at first, but as I built my career as an independent consultant coach, I started to work with other universities and focused on their IT teams, rebuilding the teams, building teams from scratch, working with CIOs. And here I am today, and I truly am passionate about this. And here we are. So what I really love about this, this plays exactly into what Nermeen had just talked about is playing to your strengths. When I look at C-suite leaders or those up and coming, they start painting a picture of, well, I want to do this next. I've been a vice president in this particular sector, and I'm looking for a new opportunity in the same place. And what we never do is look at, well, what are we really... There's the technical part of what we've been trained in, et cetera, but we never look across all of our experience and say, what's the common theme? What am I good at? What do people say? Hey, I'd like you to do X. Because if we start from a place of strength, it provides a little bit of clarity about then what might our next move be. So that is why I'm so grateful that both of you and your expertise are perfect for C-suite leaders trying to navigate what's next. So that does bring me to the next question, because Nermeen, I know you're passionate about that is playing to one's strengths. And especially for a person in transition, how can they just go deep inside and bring their value to the next position? How do they know it? How do they own it? How do they articulate it and bring it forward? I think this is an important topic to share your thoughts for somebody who may be in transition. I love that question, Deb. And it reminds me actually of a client experience. She was preparing for interviews that were coming up and really searching for what was going to be a great fit. We had a great time exploring her strengths. We would talk about the contributions, like where she was contributing and where she found fulfillment. We talked about what her strengths need in order to thrive, the kind of environments that she needed. The big aha moment was as we were reflecting on her past successes and rewarding job experiences, her most rewarding job was when all of her strengths were at play, when she had an opportunity to express all five of them equally. She was invited to use them and valued for her ability to express them and bring them to the table. So I would invite individuals in that transition to really think about Think about your past experiences. Where did you find fulfillment? If you've done the Clifton Strengths Assessment, think about, well, where did I get to use my strengths? And use those experiences to evaluate future opportunities and the kinds of tasks you would be expected to complete, the kinds of interactions you would be having with with customers or with colleagues and so on. You know, where that resonates a lot with me is as I move through, you know, I used to work in corporate and now I'm my own, I'm the drop-in CEO working with business leaders through their business challenges. There's a common theme that I keep hearing people say, Deb, your voice, your voice, Deb, you're really good at facilitation. You're really good at weaving conversations together. And it's like, yeah, but what do I do with this? And it's been really an interesting journey for me. But then all of a sudden, and again, this goes also to Sharif, somebody asked, 
asks you, I like your strengths. I want you to do X. I've been invited to be a master of ceremonies for an upcoming event for some a previous client of mine. And it is just so thrilling to say, okay, and I get great joy from this. I've never done it before, but I know I've got the skills to do it. I'm going to figure it out. And I think the more people lean into those strengths, not just the jobs they've had, a whole bunch of opportunities open up in front of them to consider and continue to have joy. That's the best place to play. And I'm so excited for you that you have that opportunity, Deb. <laughs> so more to come. We'll be talking more yeah, about yeah, that. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love the way this weaves together. So once one spends a little bit of time with self to understand those areas of strength, I now turn to Sharif a little bit because you found your strength is in building teams building teams to help them achieve their goals. People keep asking you time and time again. And I know you have some thoughts about, it's not necessarily about managing, managing teams, but paving roads for others to grow. And I know you're passionate about it. Tell us a little bit more about that. So thank you, Deb. Love this question. (laughs) Plays right into my sweet spot here. The whole idea of building a team, you know, whether you're a CIO, CEO, I've been asked so many times to come in to work with a team that folks considered, okay, this is hopeless. We're going to fire. In fact, I, I will tell you a story. Two years ago, I was invited by a CIO, new CIO that came in to an institution. He inherited the team, an IT team. And he was told this team is ineffective. You got to get rid of it. You got to replace the entire leadership. So he brought me in and I came in and I started to meet with each team member having individual conversations to understand what they're about, what they're good at, what they felt they weren't good at. And as I met with each staff member was about 15 people. I realized that some of them were in completely wrong roles. They were not in the right role. You had people in management that should not have been management. They should have been more technologists. You had people that were technologists that were very strong in relationship building, in their communication skills. And they should have been in more leadership positions. One of the things when I work with teams, I try to stress several things. Number one, I ask folks, what do you think you are successful at? And the biggest trap that people fall into is they start to list off successes from their past and they're feeling that this is how they're going to be successful moving forward. So I call it people that are clinging to the past. That is one of the biggest issues I have found. When you're trying to build a team that will work together and individuals are holding on to past successes and don't know how to step out of that and continue to move forward. So. The biggest thing I work on with teams is I tell each individual, you need to build your roadmap, individual roadmap. And that individual roadmap has to be your John, Mark, Linda, 
whoever, you need to build your roadmap, not the organization's roadmap. Because as long as you set your vision, your milestones, the things that you have to work on to get to those goals, that will resonate with leadership in whatever organization you're working with. But if you happen to leave that organization, you will still have your roadmap and your vision. This is actually something that I'm very passionate about. I always have my roadmap. It's constantly changing. I tell people this is a living thing. And that's really the, the biggest thing. So clinging to the past is a big one that people mistake, that people make. The other thing is, of course, communication, which we could talk a lot about. Communication skills and people think that that's just, oh, this is the way you talk to people. But it's a lot more than that, which I could elaborate on a little later. Absolutely. And I appreciate all of these points. I will tell you myself that it is something that I now do. I did not do it while I was working in a corporate role. But as being just a business owner, I realized there's a lot of things I could do. But unless I focus on my strengths and what are my clear channels for which I'm going to move forward on, I have to develop that muscle to develop myself and have that personal accountability. When you develop your own roadmap and can adhere to it or flex as needed, then you've built a skill to help others and your team be accountable. So really, really yes. great advice. And we are going to come back to communication though. <laughs> so, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm interrupting this episode to offer an absolutely free networking and educational opportunity I have created and I want you to be there. If you're a mid-level manager that loves your team and has a desire to accelerate your leadership growth, it is possible for you to become that executive leader in the next 24 months. Regardless of your area of specialty, and I know so many of you are talented, you have what it takes to be on the front line, collaborate with others, and get the job done. However, let me show you how to leverage that specialized knowledge to create solid connections with other leaders while shifting your focus from day-to-day leadership skills to long-term CEO strategy. Head over to my website, dropinceo.com, and click on the Drop-In CEO Collective to register for your next meeting. Now, back to the conversation. You know, I want to like kind of also play off of what you said. You, you know, talk about just, first of all, setting the vision and how you can set leaders in the right direction. And that's great. And we can move forward a quarter, a two, or et cetera. But then sometimes (laughs) life has things they throw at you. There are challenges in an organization, both personally and professionally. Sometimes we are not at our best. We don't have a strong muscle in mental fitness. So I'd love for, you know, Nermeen to just jump in a little bit about, again, some of the personal work. What does one need to do to improve their mental fitness in order to deal with the challenges, deviations from roadmaps, et cetera? It's so important, Deb. Something that I, I, you know, I realized is that you know I've been doing this work for a long time. I I know my strengths. I know how I contribute. I know where I find fulfillment. I know what I need. I can ask for what I need. But man, I still get triggered. I still get hijacked. And a couple years ago, I was introduced to this work by Shirzad Shamin called Positive Intelligence. And he teaches us how to increase our mental fitness, how to grow the three core mental muscles to 
to be able to handle life's challenges with a positive mindset instead of a negative one. I was introduced to it through a colleague in my strengths network. During the seven-week program, I personally experienced, I would say, the next big shift in my life in how I was able to handle handle things. I remember clearly early in my exposure to the program and practicing how to build the muscles, which are recognizing that you are being hijacked, you know, so stop. I'm not going to continue there. And then you shift into kind of really get grounded in your physical senses. And that allows you to shift to be able to think in a more positive way to access the better part of your right side of your brain in a more calm and and collected and perspective. So my husband, you know, would hear me, you know, doing my my exercises and and all of this. And I remember one time we were entering a, a family event and I was just a little bit uncomfortable. I felt myself starting to get a little bit worked up. And so I asked him, you know, before we go in, do you mind if I do some PQ reps, which are the, the, the exercises that help us shift? I was able to handle the event. I was able to enjoy the people without getting worked up. I was able to see things from a more calm and through a better perspective. That was when I knew this is something I needed to continue and offer it to my clients. What's interesting is that people around me have noticed the difference. I remember it during the summer with, you know, again, during a family event and family members just commenting, you know, you're mean, you're, you're, something's different. You're more at peace. It's important. I, I love this work. Yeah. Sharif, I mean, a lot of what your work sounds very logical and tactical, and here's a framework. Does this ever play into some of the work you do with leaders as well? It does. I focus a lot on how does your message come across? Mm. How are you presented to others? I always tell this story. I'll share with you now. Imagine you've been saving up for the last five years to take your family to a trip to Disney World in Florida. And the day comes, you're bored the plane, and the captain comes on, says, hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We will be taking off any minute now, and we'll be landing in Florida sometime today. (laughs) Or the next scenario is the captain gets on and says, Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. You are on board flight 123. We will be leaving in approximately 15 minutes and landing in Orlando, Florida in approximately two hours. And I ask people, which message do you prefer to hear? It's the same message. You're going to the same place. But which one makes you feel more comfortable? Obviously, the second one. You know, my focus is always about, although, yes, very tactical, very structured, but, you know, how you present yourself. And this is where, you know, kind of going into the communication theme a little bit. How you communicate your message is so important. Is your message that you're delivering being heard the way you intended it? It's a big part of, you know, being a strong leader being an effective leader? How do you deliver your message? Do people, how are you presenting yourself? 
when you walk into a room, do people say, oh, I know what he's about? You know, it, it's interesting. Someone once, a friend of mine told me, you know, Sharif, when you walk into a room, which I never thought about before, I feel like a university came into the room. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> he told me, when you walk in, there's something about the way you present yourself that just makes people feel like this guy has something interesting he's going to tell us. Things like that that are sort of hard to frame. In some cases, you know, going back to the strengths, in some cases, these things come naturally, depending on your strengths. In some cases, these are things where you have to step out of your comfort zone, be deliberate, and actually manage them. Going back to Nermeen, because I did the strength finder with her, she actually administered it to me, or whatever the, the term is. But if you look at your all your strengths, your top five are obviously the ones that come natural to you. The next ones are there, but you have to manage them, you have to grow them, you have to dig deeper to pull them out. And believe it or not, I'm an introvert. Yet somehow when I'm presenting, people would never guess I'm an introvert. And I tell them, you have no idea how deliberate I have to be and how deep I have to dig to bring out those strengths that make me seem like an extrovert. <laughs> These are all kind of things that play into, you know, how do I help leaders and teams grow? I told you the, the story about the plane to Orlando, the art of storytelling is so important also. You know, when you start a presentation or a meeting with a story, people will remember that story and they're going to want to hear what comes next. I guarantee you the story about the plane is something you'll remember, even if you don't remember anything else that was said, but that story will resonate. So not sure if that's what you were going with this, but that is something that I'm, I really stress when working with teams and I enjoy doing it. So I think what you've done is you've, you know, leveraged a lot of your means work in that you have strengths. You are an articulate communicator. These are strengths, but finding your voice, finding how best to bring them forward mm -hmm. sometimes needs the work of a coach or an outsider to be able to say, these are your strengths. I mean, I know you're scared when you get up on stage, but when you get there, you're really, really good. It's that ability to get somebody over the hump to say, I own these. <laughs> I mm -hmm. own these. And then what are the tools I can use to get there? So, I mean, again, I don't know if you have any, you know, reaction to that, because again, once you do the work with your clients, these are your strengths. It must take a while for them to say, yeah, I guess they are and how to truly own that. Tell me a little bit more about how you can help people cross over and truly, truly own and appreciate the strengths and the work they're supposed to do. It's interesting how we often find it difficult to articulate what our mm -hmm. strengths are. Mm -hmm. I actually, early on, I was a little perplexed about all of this. Why do I need an assessment to tell me who I am, to express my strengths? Like, why can't I tell you? Why don't I know? And I went on a little hunt 
and did a little bit of personal research. And, and really what it, what it boils down to is our strengths are so innate to us. It's where we go when we're trying to solve a problem or, or be creative. And we don't think that they're anything special because they are so natural to us. In fact, it kind of gets us into trouble sometimes. Because it comes so naturally for me, I'm quick to make assumptions that someone else should be able to do exactly what I do because it's it's so easy. It just comes so naturally. But this discovery about strengths and helping us to kind of really pull out our gifts and reflect on how we've used them in the past and where we find fulfillment, where we get our energy, where we experience really great performance is what opens the door for us to uncover what could be next for me. Where do I want to be spending my time? Where do I want to be making a difference? Where do I want to contribute? That's the work that we do. And then on top of that is, well, what do I need to thrive? What's the environment that I flourish in? We go through a process of really articulating very specific ways that they enjoy contributing and very specific things that they need in order to, to show up and, and perform at their best. Once we start having those conversations, it's amazing what we can uncover, what becomes possible for them. It gets me to think about my situation. I get to have a little fun with this conversation. I know our listeners are listening in to the great insights that both Nermeen and Sharif have, but it also plays a little bit into some of my experiences. Again, I started my own business knowing I wanted to go towards something and a little bit running away from where I was. And I found my voice. I had unique thoughts. I was showing up on other people's podcasts. You know, I tell the story that, you know, I told them that, hey, I'm like the drop-in CEO. And afterwards, somebody said, that's like really unique. We've never heard that before. We hear about consultants, advisors, fractional leaders. I've never heard about the drop-in CEO. And I couldn't believe I said that, but it gave me a sense of clarity for the kind of work I wanted to do. Maybe before I realized I really was going to do that work. And it took me five or six months of shopping around that concept to other people and seeking that external validation. And people said, it's brilliant, it's right, it's unique. You don't have to chase the Joneses. It is a separate category. Go with it. And it took me a long time to own it. But about five or six months later, I said, you know what? I'm going to create the drop-in CEO. It is what I stand for, helping C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow navigate. I did the podcast. Everything else spun off of that. And then I have great clarity. It's the right thing to do. But it's just, unless you've had those aha moments, and I will say sometimes some tears saying, "Ah, this is the work I'm meant to do. It's a sorrowful place, but also a wonderful place to be when you have one of those moments. And again, I don't know if you guys have ever had any of those moments as well in the work that you do. For me, it was the evening after I, I'd finished my last oral evaluation and received my certification to coach. I was um, sitting at the dinner table and really overwhelmed with emotion, really thinking about my whole journey even from high school and and plans for med school and those got changed and I got lost and I didn't know what I wanted and coming to a place to where I was introduced to strengths. I felt like this was my calling. I feel like this is the journey that, that God brought me on. And the thought that came to me is if God brought me here, there must be people out there who need this. In that moment, I owned it. I owned 
this responsibility and my mission to encourage and build a strengths building community instead of a weakness fixing. So beautiful. I always got a little teary eyed though, because if the people out there have never had those moments of joy and realization, I suggest to everybody just to slow down a little bit and reflect about the work that you're meant to do. And so given that, should a leader have that aha moment, they're clear that they need to be that leader. But sometimes, and I'm sure if I'm going to turn to you because you're passionate about this as well, is how do we hone all of that and have presence and a brand, because once we know what we're meant to do and we need to lead teams, we need to put a bow on it and develop presence and a brand because then you become a leader worth following. I'd love to know a little bit more about your thoughts about that, how to put that all together. It's interesting. Two years ago, Nermeen and I actually gave a presentation at a conference that was focused on building your leadership journey. We stressed four aspects. One of the ones that I focused on was something that I called PUC, P-U-C. PUC, where P stands for pain, U stands for uncertainty, and C stands for chaos. One of the things I'm always telling folks is that, you know what? If you don't experience PUC, you're not going to know where you are. You're not going to lead you're not going to grow. You're going to stay exactly where you are. When we talk about pain, what does that mean? You know, I tell everyone the cost of inaction is worse than the cost of a mistake. Something that you need to think about. The second thing is with uncertainty, think about this, that a great leader plans for unexpected opportunities. Again, you're looking for Things that are unexpected that come out of nowhere are unexpected opportunities. Five years ago, I was asked by someone called me, someone that used to work for me. They had left and they called me and said, Sharif, you know, I worked with you for so many years. And I don't know, I just, I was looking at LinkedIn and your name came up. So I decided, let me call you. You're a great leader. I said, sure, what can I do? How can I help you? And he said, I've been interviewing for jobs for the last six months. I can't get a job. No one calls me back. Could you coach me? I'm like, coach you? I wasn't even doing that. I wasn't certified. Nothing. So he said, just please try. So I said, sure, I will do that. I spent about eight weeks with him. And I realized what I was doing was I was helping him how to build kind of his communication skills, his interviewing skills, his resume, you know, looked like a bunch of bullet points. I made it into a story. He, by the way, got three job offers eight weeks later, but it was an unexpected opportunity for me, actually. <laughs> Because he called me out of nowhere and I realized, you know what? This is what I need to be doing because it made me so happy. I was like on cloud nine. So that's the thing about uncertainty. Chaos, if you avoid it, you won't grow. So as a leader, if you are a potential leader, you need to expect some chaos 
some disruption. Otherwise, you're just not going to grow. It's funny. I was telling someone, you know, I'm a history buff. I don't know if uh, you're familiar with Alexander the Great and some of the work he's done in the history. He was about to battle the Persians. The Persian Empire was the most powerful empire. He goes into the harbor and he realizes that his army was outnumbered five to one. His ships were outnumbered. His troops were outnumbered. So he stands on a hill and tells his troops, here's what we're going to do. I want you to burn all our ships. And the soldiers tell him, wait a minute, this is ridiculous. We'll never be able to get back home. He said, the only way you're going to get back home is if you're on Persian ships. So the thing about what seems to be chaos sometimes is an opportunity. It's a disruption to you, to the leader, to the person who hopes to move forward. It allows you to move in a way without a plan B. Your plan B, if you always have a plan B, you're always going to fall back on that. And you'll never keep moving forward. I like that story, but Huck is something that I share with folks. It's something that Nermeen and I have, have shared and talked about a lot. But this was one of the things that, that we kind of started this presentation about our, how to be a great leader, how to develop that journey. And it resonated with everyone. Actually, till the end of the conference, two days later, people were saying, I'm going to practice Puck. So they remembered nothing else that we talked about, but they remembered that. That's a big one. That's a big way to kind of how you discover yourself and, you know, you're stepping out of your comfort zone. You know, what resonates with me is that you took me on a journey. You took me on a story that was really intriguing to tell the point about the the puck, the P, the U, and the C. And I think when you take a leader through that, they start showing up as themselves. You start seeing what they are made of, what they are thinking, what their principles, what their decision criteria, et cetera. And if you as a coach listen to that, say, yes, that's unique. That's what you stand for. You should always stand on that pillar. We need to go through a little bit of that discovery work because then, to your point, when you want to show up for a networking event for a potential employer, you started establishing your presence because now you're confident and clear about what you stand for and here are the stories and you start establishing that unique brand, going on that journey and learning from those unexpected opportunities, the chaos, et cetera, actually helps elevate you. So I so appreciate all of that. But I want to start bringing this to a close. All three of us could go conversing for hours. I love your work and I want other people to reach out to you, whether it's in the strength finders, positive intelligence, or how to develop more effective leaders, more effective teams. I mean, I would love to turn it back over to you for some any last thoughts before we bring this to a close. I love working with both individuals and teams and helping the manager who who loves their team to really be able to focus on, you know, really bring out their the full potential and create that environment of happiness and productivity. So folks want to stick around. 
A great way to connect with me is by email. I'm sure all of that information will be in the show notes. Deb, so Nermeen at strengths-edge.com. I'd love to hear from you, your thoughts on this conversation, your personal experience with strengths, mental fitness. would love to have a conversation. So I, I, I welcome that. Absolutely. You need to get in touch with her. So make sure you take an action after the show. Look her up on LinkedIn, connect with her. We'll have the email in the show notes. Sharif, any last thoughts you want to share? You know, one of the things I would kind of always think about is that a good coach, if you're looking for a good coach, you don't want the coach that just helps you to realize who you are, but what you can be. Mm. And that's what a good coach does, brings out your potential of what you can be not just who you are you know and then helps you to develop that journey and i truly enjoy and as you know as and you can tell i'm very passionate about give me the challenge if you're a, a c level individual in a role and you have a new team and you feel like this team is hopeless I want to take that challenge on. I enjoy it. I love to see successful teams develop. This is my passion. And I hope to uh, talk to some of you at some point. Thank you. All right. And please, definitely everybody out there, connect with Sharif. Let him know how you found us. Start a conversation. I know it's going to inspire some great thoughts and, and opportunities. So Nermeen, Sharif, thank you for dropping in on the Drop-In CEO podcast. It was a great conversation. I'm so pleased that you were able to bring such insights to my listener. And I wish you both success and be well. So thank you again, Nermeen and Sharif. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. If you found this episode valuable, please share this show with at least one friend who would find it useful and inspiring. Your support allows me to keep sharing insights and inspiration to leaders who are working their way to the C-suite. To connect with me or learn more about the Drop-In CEO services, go to my website at dropinceo.com. And until we meet, I wish you well and much success.